Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We're gathered here today to celebrate the life of Philip John Neville. During his two years in charge of England women, he oversaw a run to the World Cup semi-finals and seven defeats in his last 11 games. Carrie Dunn, author of two books on the Lionesses and all-round Oracle, joins us to dish the dirt on a man many believe should have never been appointed. I'm Ben Snowball, and along with Carrie, I was moderately pleased to see the returns of Pete Charland and Marcus Foley. It's a Neville special. It's Game of Opinions. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Uh, so we've had a last-minute episode change. We were gearing up for a debate on who would be Team GB's most influential player at the Tokyo Olympics when, bam, breaking news hit. Phil Neville is no more. And that's where our attention will now largely rest. Carrie, as the oracle of England women, give us the background to what's gone on. So, well, it's all kind of suddenly emerging. But at the time of us having a chat now... Um, as far as we know, Phil Neville will be leaving his job as England manager next year, so 2021, before the Tokyo Olympics. So the deal was, as, as we initially thought, was that he was going to be leading Team GB women's football into the Olympics, picking his squad from the uh, home nations and coaching the team throughout because England were the first home nation to qualify for the Olympics. Um, now, it doesn't look like he's going to be there for the Olympics. It'll be whoever is in post and whoever takes over as England manager. Now, he's only been there for just over two years. He took up the post after the departure of Mark Sampson in a rather ignominious fashion. And it took them a long time to find a new manager. So apparently the rumours and stories are that there are plenty of people that they approached who weren't interested and Phil Neville came in and he was interested. So it will be interesting to see whether anything has changed in the intervening two and a bit years and what kind of calibre of candidate they can attract now. Now, Marcus, I know you're lining up a really powerful statement. Um, so just unload on us. Where did it go wrong for Phil Neville? It went wrong from the start for me. Um, he's got he's got a UEFA Pro licence, so he is qualified to take on the role. Uh, but in terms of any other measurement of qualification for said role, I don't think he was qualified. He didn't have the requisite experience as an international manager and within women's football. Now, I think the issue is, particularly with international football, is you have to get across complex and intricate concepts and ideas in a very short period of time. So to be able to do that well, I think you have to have 
a load of experience. And Neville just didn't have that experience. So appointing him has left the Lionesses and Neville at a distinct disadvantage. And that has played out through performances and results. 2019 looked like a good year. Semi-final of the World Cup. Won the She Believes Cup. 77,000 at Wembley for, a, for an international. Looked like a great year, but the performances weren't particularly good. Performances have carried into poor results in 2020. Um, the Lionesses are currently in a run of seven losses in 11 for a team that previously were one of the best in the world. It's just not been good enough. Just quickly on that, Marcus, everyone keeps saying and it's a really easy thing to hit him with, seven defeats in 11. Is it fair? Because uh, I know Gareth Southgate went through something similar after losing the World Cup semi-final and the third, fourth place playoff. Is it fair to include those matches which you reached... To, to get to those matches, you had to win games. Is it fair to then include them at the start of a losing run? Should we not be talking about five defeats in nine games, which which still isn't great, to be honest? <laughs> yeah, <I'd>, but <laughs> um, five and nine ain't great, so I'm happy with that. I'll leave it there. Um, but no, I think it, the, the wider point is the performances. I think um, I, I don't think the performances have been there often enough in the whole tenure. And then that's been borne out in results as the tenure has increased or gone on. So I think... That, that's your issue. You don't so much mind. There's a period where Southgate was losing games, but England were sort of developing as a team, changing, playing differently. And I think Neville has made attempts to perhaps change things, but there doesn't seem to have been the progress. I mean, Carrie would be better placed to say whether there has been any progress in terms of performance, but from what I've seen, no. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. If you look at the number of backroom staff and, and the amount of resources that Phil Neville has had at his disposal for his World Cup campaign and you know throughout his time as England manager, it's so much more than any of his predecessors. And you know, I was thinking earlier, you know, what would Hope Powell have managed with this kind of resource? But Hope Powell was managed before Mark Sampson. She basically ran international women's football in England by herself, top to bottom, for 15 years. So she was in charge of the junior section as well as the senior team. And she was the one who managed them in their 2011 World Cup campaign, for example. She's down the manager at Brighton. So, yeah, I mean, he's had every every backing possible. Um, obviously, the media attention on the Alliances has increased, and that's partly because Neville's there. I mean, given his due, he does give a good quote for the press. There has been a lot of interest. And I think he would admit that there has been a very steep learning curve for him. Marcus is absolutely right. Um, he didn't have any background in women's football. He didn't know the teams, didn't know the players. And he talked about the amount of work that he would have to do. But I wouldn't have thought that being England manager is necessarily the right place to go through that learning curve. Maybe if you if you do want to manage the women's game, maybe start at club level and work your way up. I think it's been a very, very uh, steep progression for him. And I think maybe he's slightly at a loss now. He talked about wanting to defend the She Believes Cup this, uh, this year, saying that was the major target. And then when it didn't look like that was going to happen, it was all about you know bringing on new talent. I don't know. I think he's lost his way a little bit. I think he's slightly out of ideas. I mean, Twitter's never a good sounding board for overall opinion, but it does seem like this news has brought quite a lot of joy to people. Um, how do you think the players will be reacting to this? That's a really interesting question. I haven't seen anything from any of the players as yet. And of course, we are going to see the usual kind of Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you for our World Cup run in 2019. We're going to see those kind of statements. Um, I think his management style has been very different to what the players have been used to. I mean, having watched some of their training sessions uh, out in France last summer, he wasn't very hands-on in terms of being a coach. That was left to the rest of the coaching staff and he was kind of on the sidelines seeing how things happened. 
Um, he's talked about some of the micromanagement that he likes to do in terms of communication. So a WhatsApp group for every single member of the squad with all the me medical staff looped in and kind of checking out what they're doing every day and knowing what their likes and dislikes are and knowing them on that level. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what is said. And I think also it depends who takes over. And on that note, Pete Charland, I just noticed you're ready for your big soliloquy that you're prepping for us. Um, I know you're a huge Emma Hayes fan. Uh and is that who you'd pick to be the next England boss, Neville's successor? Um, yeah, I mean, there's two ways of looking at that. If you're the FA, then Emma Hayes is definitely one of the names under consideration and she would probably be one of the favourites. But you've got to look at it from her perspective. She's consistently said that she wants to win the Champions League with Chelsea, something that she hasn't been able to do yet. They just brought in Sam Kerr. They've probably got the best squad they've had in the last four or five years. If she's Obviously, we need to wait for football to come back. But if she's going to do it, it's going to be in the next year or two. Given the validity recently with the England team and in terms of the manager, she might think that she's better off waiting and actually staying put. Um, and then other than that, then you start looking down the list and after her, there's a few obvious candidates. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the FA go for another slightly more left field choice, as it were, like someone who we, we might not be expecting. Um, Carrie, on this, I want to get your thoughts on this. Just had a, had a quick quick search about runners and riders. Jill Ellis, for me, stands out as the obvious one. She's won the last two World Cups and she was born in Portsmouth. Why not just give it to her? Um, if she wanted to come back to England, I think she'd be an excellent choice. Then you have to kind of think, you know, would she want to do the same thing again? I mean, I think she's in her late 50s, maybe early 60s now. Does she want to come back to England, uproot her life and then build a team fundamentally from scratch to do the same thing she's already done a couple of times with the USA? So, I mean, I think she'd be the outstanding candidate. It's whether or not she would want it. And Carrie, could you just talk us through the other runners and riders? Uh, Casey Stoney's been mentioned, but we were just chatting before this podcast and you think it might be a little early for her. Yeah, I mean, Casey Stoney is an excellent coach. She's got a fine England pedigree, having captained the side previously as well. But she's only been in charge at Man United for a couple of years. Um, this is Man United's first season in the WSL, so first team, uh, first season when they've been a fully professional team. So I think maybe if it was two years' time, she might be interested in taking over. I'm not quite sure whether it's the right time for her now, but I know that Marcus has some thoughts on this too. So basically, when Neville's job came up, apparently the FA headhunted 145 people or a recruitment firm, for them did. Um, and there were reports, perhaps, that Mo Marley had, a, had applied for the job. She's also got a uh, pro licence, two decades worth of experience within the women's game and the youth set up in England, and the under-19 coach, currently the under-21 coach, I believe. Um, and, you know, if she wants it, I think that would be an absolutely prime, prime candidate for the role. Yeah, I think Mo Marley would be a great appointment. Um, the senior squad now know her very well. Um, she was the coach who led them to Q success um, at, at the junior levels. So she has obviously great respect and she's been a coach in, in the WSL previously as well. So, yeah, she knows the women's game in England top to bottom. And, yeah, I, I would like to see Mo Miley given a chance. Now, this this conversation was originally planned to be who would be Team GB's most influential player at the Tokyo Olympics. Obviously, we've parked that. But given that we have done a little bit of research into it, I just thought it would be interesting to get your guys' thoughts on who you think the next manager could potentially build their, build their team around uh, for the Olympics, not necessarily for the European Championships, so they're not for England. Maybe if we start with you, Harry. Yeah, my pick was Kim Little of Scotland, who is one of the best technical players in the world. I mean, Hope Solo, the USA legendary goalkeeper, has talked a lot about uh, 
Kim Little being one of the best players she's ever seen on a football pitch. And so bearing in mind Hope Solo's huge experience in, in football, I think that's um that's a huge compliment. Um Kim Little is obviously now at Arsenal. Um she's suffered quite a bit with injury in recent years, but she was fit enough to uh, lead Scotland into the World Cup last summer and I feel so bad for her that that ridiculous rule about watching keepers move like less than a millimetre off their line was basically what robbed Scotland of going through to the knockout stages and giving her the chance to get more of an international spotlight. Because I feel like she's still kind of one of the best kept secrets in international football. At club level, she's done fantastically for Arsenal, at Seattle, at Melbourne, but she's never really had the chance at kind of international level because the fact that she's playing for Scotland. So the Olympics would be a, a prime stage for her. Pete Charland, you seem to be sticking with your, the Chelsea theme seems to be running through your selections here. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If this was a, if this was a discussion about the Olympics for this summer, it probably would have been Beth England rather than uh, the player I ended up choosing, which was Frank Kirby. I mean, for me, when I first started watching women's football, Frank Kirby was the player that I fell in love watching and it's never stopped. She's one of the best players I've ever seen in the women's game. And unfortunately, she's been out for a while with a long condition. Um, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation. So I think it's pericitis, um, which is basically the inflammation of the sac around your heart. It's left her more or less like drained of all her energy for the last like five or six months. The extra break will give her the time to come back and get her back to where she needs to be. And when she's playing well and she's on form, I think she's a player that no one else within the Team GB setup could really replicate and do what they do. And if it is Hayes who takes over, there's no doubt that she'll look to bring Kirby straight back in the setup. Nice one. Marcus Foley, you're going to go down the predictable route, I suggest her. You say predictable, but the reasoning will probably not be predictable. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Lucy Bronze. Not necessarily because she's the best player, but I think she is the most accomplished player within the Four Nations. Um, she's got a she's got a wealth of experience. Played abroad uh, in America at the college level. Obviously, came back to England. It's now at Leon, playing with the best players in the world for the best team in the world. Um, but I think there are a couple of other things that go into that. One is positional awareness. So she plays right back. She's been trialled to play centre mid for England. And I think in a world in a World Cup or an Olympics, a three week based tournament, two week based tournament. Uh, adaptability is key, particularly if you're going to bring together a new group of players. So it's selected from obviously the four nations. And what that means is she she can be the, sort of like the glue that welds the team together. Also, I just think she has that tournament experience and having played abroad will also help. You can't underestimate how different it is playing domestic football or even international football during the calendar to playing tournament football, just in terms of mentally, physically. Obviously, she's probably the fittest player in the team. So I just think she brings a full package. So it's not necessarily about talent. It's more about sort of the other things that she'd bring to a squad. And finally, with my pick, now, Carrie, I'm going to lean on you slightly here, if that's all right. I don't claim to be an authority on this. Uh, take what I say with a pinch of salt. But I do think that international tournaments, like what Marcus said there, adaptability is crucial. But I also think mindset is absolutely imperative. And you need players there who can harness the idea that this might be their only shot of winning something at an international level. And I think Jordan Nobbs encapsulates that purely because she's missed two World Cups. She knows the pain of what it's like to not be there. And she knows how much she, she wants that. I think she's 28, 29 or something. So she's not going to have many international tournaments. Um, and particularly with a new manager, I know she didn't quite hit a creative heights under Neville when she did play. I just wonder if it's potentially a chance for a new manager to kind of build her team around Nobbs. Yeah, I think... 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, a, a new start for Nobs at uh, England level would, would be fantastic. And yes, she, she's a great player. She's been incredibly unlucky in terms of getting really nasty injuries at really inopportune times. And fingers crossed, she can stay fit for another, what's that, 16 months and uh, uh, and play in Tokyo. And just finally, Carrie, what, what do you think can realistically be achieved by Team GB in Tokyo next summer? I mean, can, can they win the gold or is it just a case of the United States are just better than everyone get on with it? The USA are better than everyone, but it's tournament football. So, you know, anything could happen. I don't think the USA anything to be scared of necessarily, but I think the mindset of opponents quite often is they go in frightened of playing the USA. And I think that happens on the big stage quite a lot. But a Team GB that genuinely picks the players from the home nations and comes together to provide a unified squad, I think it genuinely has a chance of a medal. So not just the players that we've mentioned. And guys, I think all of your picks are brilliant and there's a brilliant case to be made for each of them. But also players we haven't even mentioned. You know, people like Wells's Jess Fishlock, Northern Ireland, Simone McGill and Rachel Furness. You know, there are some fantastic players there and... A new England coach as well, without any baggage perhaps coming in, should be able to take her pick or his pick from all of them. Right, so I think we've suitably stamped on the dreams of Philip Neville and given hope to the nation. Thanks to Carrie for being the glue today. Thank you very much for having me. And thanks to Marcus and Pete for being themselves as always. Cheers. Thank you, Ben. You've been listening to Game of Opinions. Take a moment to go, yeah, that was all right, actually, and subscribe. Over and out. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.